Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Eddie Walk Podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. We spent the last several weeks in Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to return there this morning. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. We'll read that in a second. But one thing I want you to always remember from this message is, is this, what I'm going to say right here at the very beginning. And hopefully you'll see throughout the message how this statement is true. Here it is. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you still need someone to dress you. You can be just born again. You can have been saved for 30 years, 40 years. Doesn't matter. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you need someone to dress you. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, Paul writes this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Lord, I thank You for Your Word this morning. And Lord, I thank You for how Your Word shapes us. Most importantly, I thank You for how Your Word shows us who You are. And Lord, as we spend time in it and grasp who you are, that's when we realize who you're calling us to be. And Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us alone on this journey. That you don't expect us to take things off and put things on. 
by ourselves. But we have you to help us all along the way. So Lord, as we talk about putting on humility this morning, I humbly ask that you you help us. Lord, help me as I preach your word. Help all of us to open our hearts, our ears, our minds, and our lives to letting your word do its work. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you know, because we read it a lot over the last several weeks, we're told to put to death the old self and put on the new. And then Paul outlined what that stuff to put to death was in, in verses 5 through 7. Then he tells us what the new stuff to put on is in verses 12 to 17. But when we put on, we don't try to obey that command in our own strength. Because self will never put on true humility. I mean, we tried ourselves, but we end up relying on ourselves or falling into the principles of this world and end up putting on a false humility. We read about that in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 to 23. You know, people get, got a little off track on their theology. And they fell into the trap of thinking they could do the right things or not do the wrong things. And that would, that would, that would be it for them. That's a form of self-righteousness, huh? And a false humility. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you still need someone to dress you. Only as we rely on the Spirit and imitate Christ can we truly put on humility. I mean, if you consider the things that Paul lists there, the things we read, what we talked about last week, kindness, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Compassion, we talked about that the week before. We learned a lot about compassion from the life of Jesus, didn't we? So where are we going to learn humility? From Christ. Just trying to understand this word humility in the Greek made me humble this week. So I want you to repeat after me. Tepeinofrosune. Not bad. A lot of you got it on the first try. Uh, it took multiple tries just to even get close. And I don't even know if it's close. You probably said it with a West Virginia accent. <laughs> Tepeinofrosune. It indicates not merely a moral quality, but the subjection of self under the authority of and in response to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit to conform the believer into the character of Christ. Because that's what all these virtues are that we've been talking about and will continue to talk about. It's putting on virtues that are godly. And in humility, we subject ourselves under His authority. I think it's pretty cool. Peter used a form of that same big word in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 5. In fact, he kind of has the same theme going that Paul has here in Colossians chapter 3. Paul's talking about putting on new clothes. And, and if you read 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with the second half of verse 5, Peter says this, All of you, everyone here this morning, here online, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because, now he's going to quote Proverbs 3.34, Because, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Do you see Paul's language? We humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. If we're under it, that means He must be above us. That means He must have the authority in our lives. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Man, Peter learned about humility. He often ate humble pie. Have you ate humble pie? I've ate humble pie. I like lemon meringue better. <laughs> the disciples were funny. The disciples were often concerned about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's something that would be a, a topic of conversation, and I bet you can guess where that conversation would go. It'd end up in an argument about who's the greatest. One such dispute broke out, and uh, it's recorded in three of the four Gospels. Mark chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and Matthew chapter 8 this morning I think I just cut out might be my batteries I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 18 hey this might be a good time to interrupt this message to give you an update some guys are at the church this week getting the electric ready because we're getting the new sound booth and we'll have surround speakers. So hopefully, hopefully that'll help as you're in the sanctuary hearing the message and the songs to hear everything more clearly. And we'll kind of get updated on all of our technology for the sanctuary services online. Everything will be updated. Maybe, maybe by the end of November we'll be all set. Back to your regularly scheduled sermon. 
Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And you know, I like how people are going to have different perspectives. Mark and Luke have a different account of this story. Same idea, same situation, different accounts. I think it's in Luke's. He reads their minds. The, uh, he, he's far ahead enough where he can't really hear the conversation, but knowing what they're talking about, he says, hey guys, here's who is the greatest in the kingdom. I really wanted you to hear it specifically from Matthew, though. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now wait a second, we're 17 chapters into Matthew. And he had to tell his disciples to change? No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how new you are a Christian, someone's got to dress us. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Faith like a child. Even on the night Jesus was betrayed though. And guess what? That happens after chapter 18. I mean, Jesus already had this conversation with them. Come on, guys. The night he was to be betrayed. What do you think they're arguing about? Who's the greatest? Guess what? Jesus does not change the lesson. So they've broke the bread, they've passed the cup. And right after that, guess what happens? Luke 22, verse 24. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. This is right after the Lord's Supper. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. That's right, isn't it? All those people in Washington think they can help us. And if you think they can help you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Don't ever spend your money like you're in Congress. Okay, now I'm getting the Dave Ramsey vibe flowing.
Wait a second. Jesus said something about authority there. The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules like the one who serves. I, I, I wonder how that message struck home with the disciples after about a week before Jesus washed their feet. Because who was Jesus? I'm glad you asked, Pastor Nathaniel. Because Colossians, and that's part of the reason why Paul wrote Colossians, to emphasize the authority of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10. It says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, fully God and fully man. And you have been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So that makes him the supreme authority. There's nobody higher than Jesus. Can we agree on that? Oh, I like that. Amen. It's true. So before, before we take communion, I leave us with Paul's admonition from Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests. You see that? It's okay to look to our own interests, but not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Would you say Jesus had the interests of others in mind when He went to the cross for you and me? No one higher than Him, right? And He went to the cross to die for us. In verse 5, Philippians 2, Paul says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, he emphasizes it again, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality God with God something to be grasped. Turn on your, t your, your TV, you'll see people who think that, that can be grasped. It can't be. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in, uh, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place. He went higher than he already was. And gave him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this morning, Lord, we remember who you are. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross so that anyone who might confess their sins, repent and turn from their sins and turn to you and seek forgiveness might find forgiveness and be made right with God the Father through the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Jesus. We owed such a penalty. But Jesus, you paid it all when you died for our sins. And now, Lord, there's nothing we can do to earn your favor or earn a right standing with you except receive what's been done for us. To die to our old self and be born again, spiritually born again and made new through faith in You. Lord, if we need to get our hearts right this morning, uh, I pray for the one or two or more maybe who finally realizes what Jesus did for them. And they would say, Lord, yes, I feel you speaking to my heart. And I do believe that Jesus died for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me my sin and come into my heart and my life today. I want to be born again. And God, as we're born again, we know that that's not the end. We know that as we walk in you, we put on those godly virtues. We live to imitate and be like Jesus. So help us. Help us show compassion and be compassionate. Be kind. To love one another as you loved us. And Lord, this morning as we receive communion, we celebrate what you did for us on the cross. And we remember not only that sacrifice, but all that you've done. We do this in remembrance of you. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.